0: So happy to be with you here in the War Memorial Opera House in San Francisco and to welcome you to San Francisco Ballet's 81st repertory season and to welcome you to the first Points of View program of this season. This is Wednesday, January 29, 2014. Um, this lecture series is produced by the San Francisco Valley Center for Dance Education, directed by Charles Chip McNeil, with adult programming coordinated by Cecilia Bean. The Center for Dance Education produces a number of programs, including the Meeting Arts Interviews, programs for children, both here in the Opera House and out in the community and then a growing number of programs designed to engage our, actually already pretty engaged, audiences. As many of you know, these programs are recorded for podcasts. I encourage you to go to our website, sfballet.org, where you can find interviews and lectures from past seasons, as well as to find the lectures for this season ahead of us. It's a pleasure to actually be able to see many good friends, old friends, and to um, welcome newcomers, and to also say a warm welcome to those who might be listening to the podcast on the internet at some future time. As you've obviously noticed, we um, are here in the Warma War Opera House, which is quite a treat, actually, instead of in. Our home for many years across the way in the Veterans Building in the Green Room, and that obviously is due to the site upgrade long planned uh, happening in the Veterans Building. We're going to have to ask your patience as we learn some new logistics and let's say new choreography for our program. At the conclusion of this evening's program, we will ask guests who do not have tickets for this evening to exit Educating In the right, to your right, the north carriage entrance. Those of you who do have tickets for this evening, also we ask you to exit through one of the right hand doors and then you can go along the corridor, your tickets will be screened as you re-enter the main lobby. Another item of our programs now will be held to a strict 45 minutes to accommodate the need for the stage crew to have access to the stage and prepare for the evening's program. Finally, as always, we want to offer you the opportunity to ask questions, one of the really popular features of these programs. And so, because of our new configuration, in order for us to hear you better, and in order for everyone to hear your questions, we placed a standing mic right there, foot of the center aisle, and when it's question time, we'll ask you to make your way to the center aisle and address your question into the standing mic, and we'll see how that works. Could be fun. <clears throat> My partner this evening is in that category of needs no introduction, but here she is. Anita Piccioli has just passed her, her 45th fifth <coughs> for 45 years of involvement with the San Francisco Ballet. As a dancer, as a principal character dancer, and as a very valued ballet master. So I would like to welcome you, Anita, and thank you for, again, being part of our program. Thank you, Mary. I'm going to ask you, to uh, sort of chime in in the comments. We're going to do a fairly brief look ahead The season to come. Um, As usual, we welcome several new dancers. Um, I invite you to go to the website where there are very complete bios of all of these dancers. But just to give you something to think about, to look at, we welcomed as principal dancer Mathilde Proustie, who comes from the Paris Opera Ballet. Some of you may have seen her, I believe, in the Nutcracker and earlier this week. In Giselle, she will be dancing the role of Giselle, I believe the current casting says, Friday evening. Also, as a soloist, we welcome Simone Meslin. And Simone comes from sorry, American Horror Theater. And she is dancing the one of the principal parts in Giselle, of Mirta. Um, in fact, you should be seeing her perform this evening. Um, We, of course, have new members of the Court of Ballet. These dancers happen to be promoted from uh, the apprentice level from last year, and so they won't be completely unfamiliar faces. A group of newly hired dancers, with the exception of Alexandra Meyer-Laurie, who is returning to the ballet, it's always exciting to welcome new faces to the company. And finally, a wonderful crop of apprentices, and as I understand it, all of these apprentices have graduated from our training program, which is a pretty exemplary pre-professional program here at the Valley. The season is the usual rich balance of returning repertory pieces and premieres. And I hope you'll be joining us throughout the season at the Points of View programs where you will hear in detail about each of the pieces. I'm going to just list a few of, I confess, my favorite to look forward to, my favorite highlights of the season. We start um, program four in mid-March with a return of last year's hit Cinderella. On programme five following that is probably a real focal point of the season. And that is the West Coast San Francisco Valley premiere of Alexei Alexi, Alexi Ratkowski's Shostakovich trilogy. Anita, I'm gonna ask you to make a couple of comments. This is a full evening, great round by All of the music is Shostakovich and yet what we're really seeing is three separate ballets. Can you say a little bit more about the contrast, perhaps, between them? How are we going to approach this evening of all Shostakovich?
1: Well, I I worked on the centerpiece, which is the Mm -hmm. Chamber Symphony, and uh, have, of course, the most overview on that piece. Uh, I would say that one is rather autobiographical it really it really chronicles events in shostakovich's life in terms of his three loves the young woman he initially fell in love with didn't marry uh, the the wife he did have who died suddenly and it was very tragic for him and the lady who in eventually in later life sort of picked him up restored his strength and guided him back into creating music again so and mm. you can—it's—it's it's not literal, you know. It, it, you probably need to know that before you just mm-hmm. tune in to the ballet. Um, but it is—it is, it is uh, a real chronology and it's a very emotional piece. And he is represented by a solo male dancer. Um, there are elements where Shostakovich conducts, and it's supposed to be his final arrangement of chords and the dancers represent those chords actually on the piece of music. It's very touching, very, very moving. The others um, are more abstract um, and it probably will make a mistake because I don't know my facts so well. Um, I'll try to help, but Yeah, you he help still because a little, yeah. the, the one symphony that he was very criticized for <laughs> because he was actually supposed to write something uh, triumphant about the new Russian government and he, he created a satire, and the ballet is rather a satire. Um, is that the first yeah. piece on the evening? Yeah, and yeah, there are people who represent soldiers and they 're very uh, kind of uh, arrogant, pompous, and a bit a bit silly. you know so he got in a lot of trouble for writing that piece of music. I think he uh-huh. wasn 't allowed to write for some years after that. Uh, but again, there is an element of history in that one, and then the last one, Mary, you take over. I'm- Symphony number no. nine. I can't
0: um, say because say. I have not, of course, What's seen the last one's um, music. I don't actually have it written down. So I bet I if have... you look in your program notes, you might find it, and then you could, you'll know. Um, that that and it 's an entirely different type of piece yeah, and
1: it 's very much more like an entertainment, just a, mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. a challenging dance, lots of people, lots of color um, so you know they they are they're they 're linked by what you said, mm-hmm. the same choreographer the same the same uh, composer, but they are very, very different pieces
0: and uh, Martin West, in a comment that I heard him make um, really emphasized that that's one of the favorite things about Shostakovich for, for him, for Martin, is that each of his pieces is so different. With some composers, you can always tell, oh, that must be Mendelssohn that I'm listening to, or whatever, and that in this case, each piece is so different, we will not feel as though we have just sat through one long evening of
1: not at all of a, of a similar style. No, not at all.
0: Um, What you're looking at is um, Ratmansky's ballet master, Nancy Rafa, rehearsing our dancers. This piece was originally created as a co-production, but first premiered at American Ballet Theater. So it was not a world premiere, but it is a production that we own, we share. Um, when you come to the Points of View program later in the season, Nancy Rafa is scheduled to be my guest, so we will learn He'll, a great you'll deal know. about
1: it. Yeah. You need to know.
0: Um, and then, just um, one of the pieces returning this season was a hit last season, and that was Yuri Posikov's production take on uh, the Rite of Spring, which is a very uh, significant historic piece. But this is Yuri's, and it was quite. Um, it was. Sensational when it was created in 1913, um, and it was pretty sensational when it was danced last season. Um, I think um, we won't say more. You'll come back and see it. Um, Liquor working. There we go. Uh, one of the things that I'm looking for particularly is on program three, returning after a number of years, is the Kingdom of the Shades from La Bayadere, Act Two which is this season's representative from our Imperial Russian Ballet Petipa repertoire, uh, staged by Natalia Makarova. This is the ultimate challenge for our corps de ballet. They've got a lot of that this season, and uh, wonderful classic challenges for our principal dancers. We have a return of Helgi's Ballet, the fifth season, which was created in 2005, last seen here a couple of years ago. Proving to be one of his most popular works, uh, showcasing the company's deep bench of artists. I think Helgi is really known for creating around his dancers, and that is what you'll see when we see this piece again. Um, another piece I'm particularly looking forward to doesn't come until the end of the season, Agon, one of only two works this season, by Balanchine, who is one of our important constants in programming. This one hasn't been seen here in in its entirety since 2002, but it's a very important classic, and I welcome its return. And then the, the popular premieres, world premieres. Our company is renowned for creating new work, and first up in the season on program two is Val Canaparoli's new piece, which is entitled Tears. His music is Steve Reich. Those of you who can be with us in three weeks for the second Points of View program, Val is scheduled to be my guest, and that's always popular no matter what he's talking about, but especially if he's talking about his newest piece. Helgi Thomason has a new work this season. He's entitled it Symphonic Caprice. It's a neoclassical work which... With Helgi, always means there's a bit of an emotional undercurrent, but he really interprets the music, which is symphonies by Camille Saint-Saëns. And then toward the end of the season, Helgi is again renowned for searching the world over for up-and-coming choreographers, and he's found the latest one in Liam Scarlett, a very young English choreographer, currently an artist in residence at the Royal Ballet. And this will be the West Coast San Francisco Ballet's first look at a work by Liam Scarlett. This is him in the studio creating dancers, dances, um, creating his dance on our dancers. <clears throat> so now we come to the opening program, and probably my all-time favorite ballet. Uh, Giselle is one of two or three works that are universally accepted as the very greatest in our canon of classics. It's unquestionably the greatest ballet of the Romantic era, and that's the period in literature, music, art, theater history, concerned with not so much form as with atmosphere, with emotion rather than reason. The dominant overarching theme in Romanticism, which you'll see in this ballet, is the pursuit of the unattainable ideal. Um, There's a preoccupation with death and dying in Romanticism, and that by extension with the supernatural, the spirits that inhabit the world on the other side. The Romantic era was full of ballets that looked a little bit like this. Romantic art is very full of contrast. You see the good and evil, the familiar and the exotic, the real and the supernatural. Again, you'll see that in Giselle. Giselle was created at the Paris Opera in 1841, and this is one of the earliest images, lithographs, of the second act, Giselle, and the ballet's original Giselle was Carlotta Grisi. As um, Anita, you're going to chime in here very soon. A part of a contemporary repertoire, it challenges a company's grasp of style. It demands highly competent and disciplined corps de ballet. It offers several solo artists the opportunity to portray dramatic supporting roles. It's a big company ballet. It offers three principal dancers, roles exceedingly difficult, both technically and dramatically. And it offers the ballerina, a role unparalleled in demand and in prestige. It offers the audience a universally appealing story of the human condition involving love and betrayal and forgiveness and redemption you can read a detailed history and the synopsis of the story in your program notes, so I'll ask you to be sure to do that. We premiered our production here in 1999, and at this point, um, Anita, we're going to look at some images from the production, and I'm going to just get you to start riffing on what you see. One of the first things we see is Anita Pachoti in um, one of the famous fabled character roles. Um, Talk about the challenge in any story ballet, but especially in these old historic pieces, to act.
1: This is, uh, I'm portraying Giselle's mother in in this photo. Uh, Giselle suffers from a weak heart. It's part of the reason that we think she dies at the end of the first act. That's one of the great things about Giselle is that there are so many questions about what really happened, and and that's, um, we're going to have a session about that on Saturday.
0: Yes, and I wanted to be sure that we mentioned that since we've brought it up there is produced by the center for dance education a program we're calling um, i think talks on ballet and the first one is this saturday you will find more information about it in this brochure which is available in the lobby and um, it starts at five o'clock held over in the ballet building and there are still a few tickets available i understand although it was selling so well they've moved it from a smaller room to a larger room it's called and in, an inquest on Giselle, how did, or why, why did Giselle die? And What's you're going to be part cause? of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So. And uh, the different characters in the, in the ballet will, will uh, participate in this, so each of them will have their own point of view. Mm-hmm. Hilarion, who is the man who truly loves her, another peasant mm-hmm. guy. I think they'll have an Albrecht, I hope, I'm not right. sure. Um, I'll be there, the mother. And well, anyway, my point of view, will w- in this particular pantomime, is that if you dance and exert yourself so much, uh, your your weak heart is going to give out, and you and you will die in classical pantomime. So yes, um, that that's the first thing you need to know with that those crossbones crossed. Bones. And
0: and you're not the only one that that. Yeah, Mirta does that
1: too, yeah. and yeah. and Hilarion. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to. Yeah, <laughs> and what I'm going to, about to tell you right here is that y- you will you will die and you will become a spirit or yeah, yeah a spirit, and I don't I think this is a very interesting point because then the mother says you will fly with the willies, um, yeah. so that gives makes it a, a whole other question like what exactly is a willie. She's a, 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 a young woman who died of a broken heart or before she was married or had a, a marriage promise broken. So it's interesting. Why would I think she's going to become a Willie? Because I don't know that she's going to die unwed. That's true. Oh, my goodness. So
0: there's so many You've little
1: challenges. I, I know, I know. Anybody yeah. out there can tell us.
0: Yeah, I always learned that a Willie is... a um a betrothed woman yeah. who dies on yeah. the eve of her wedding yeah. of a broken heart. She's been jilted, right. and consequently Willies hate men. Right. And We're going to see more of those a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, Berta is one of the classic, keep using the term, um, dramatic roles in our classic ballet history. And it's been a role that you have really made your own. You, um, our production was created on you, isn't that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, uh, Helgi created the role. As in every uh, bit of new choreography, we sometimes assume that because you're a character or you're doing gestural things in pantomime that that you invented them. And that's that's not true. It is a dance that was choreographed and guided by by Helgi Thomason, So, and in, I'm sure he's taken uh, elements of it from many versions that he's seen or mm-hmm. been in, involved in. But this it, it has his own. Um, is his own side and his own interpretation and own original ideas as well. And then of course the the, the artist portraying it will bring the emotion and the, the power to it as best he or she can so that it carries, so that hopefully you understood what it was about and that you feel something, that's all. So I guess I, I think she's just worried that that might happen to Giselle. Mm-hmm. I mean she does know about Albrecht. She doesn't know who he is, not sure she quite approves, but she, I don't know that she knows they're in betrothed, but maybe she suspects that they could be at some point, you know. Anyway, I'm very worried about her and her heart.
0: Well, and with good reason. Um, This is another image of the first act which shows I think very well that this is a story ballet, there are characters, every character has some role to play, and this is a moment which um, it kind of goes by very quickly. And you need to read your program notes to know exactly what's going on here. But um, do you want to just fill us in? In this
1: scene, this is part of the Harvest Festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, it, earlier on in the piece, the the peasants all March off up the hill to go to the fields, and they shortly return with their baskets full of grapes. So uh, this is a very exciting time for everyone because they'll have some kind of festivities and parties. And uh, in this scene, this is a a carriage that is full of little children. And it, it's just an entrance, really. It's, well, it's doesn't sort
0: of a farm cart. A, yeah.
1: Farm cart, yeah. But it's it's exciting, and Giselle gets to ride in it, and the children get to ride in it. It's not an everyday occurrence. It's a special festivity yeah. on a. And then they
0: they put a wreath on her head her and they crown the her queen the queen
1: of the festival.
0: Right, and yeah. it does go by fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. But you might wonder, either you just suspend disbelief and say that whatever happens in a classical ballet is fine, or you might want to know what's what's behind it, and there are always great traditions behind these things. Um,
1: well, this one is good, Mary. I think um, it's a great entrance yeah. to a, a, a section of the ballet that Helgi inserted, so it is an, an original section that is uh, music he found from the original score, I, I think, um, and he wanted he wanted a little bit more dancing, particularly for Albrecht in the first. Act, mm-hmm. and so he created a, a short pot de deux for them, as queen as she being the queen of the harvest festival. So it's a really a sweet, brief pot de deux, and then a very, very uh, showy variation for him, mm-hmm. and a, and a short solo for her, and it, it just it just it just gives more opportunity to see a lot of dancing, you know, because otherwise the first act doesn't have an awful lot. He also expanded what is traditionally known as the peasant pas de deux, which means it was for two people. And in the, our version, it is a pot de cinq, for three women and two men. It's a little bit longer, so there are three solo variations and uh, a duet, and a, an ensemble, and an finale. So there's a lot more dancing uh, for many company members in our version. Right. And this is kind of the intro right. for um, that section. I wanted
0: to move on to, um, this is the highly dramatic climax of the first act. Um, we're gonna look at some more images of principles in the, in the piece, but um, everybody in the cast is, act, is asked to participate as an actor. And I think that's um, probably something very special in any company's repertoire, but um, that's an important element for our dancers.
1: Absolutely. To Absolutely. not just
0: be abstract technicians.
1: Right. You, you have to be able to be a real person on the stage. You have to, you have to be able to drop your classical manners and, and behave naturally, walk naturally, perhaps on your heels, using normal gestures, not mm-hmm. a, a classical or a a, a port de bras a carriage of the arms, but real... Um, Believable natural gestures. And I think Giselle is a perfect example of the way the ensemble furthers the story, not just by their costume and, and uh, what, you know, their dancing things, but the movement they have as a group in Giselle is very, very important because it, it sets the focus where it needs to go. You have a, a stage full of 30, 40 people. And if they're not focused, it's just diffused. And the thing, your eye doesn't know where to look, and energy's going all over like this. But when you get someone to coach them properly and get them all to look in the right place at the right time, you'll see, not obviously, but you'll see that the group will move in at appropriate moments so that it brings all of it to what you should be seeing. It's, I think that's very interesting, because in the first act, that element is quite subtle and in the second act, it's just as strong, if not more, mm-hmm. because the, the willies tell the story. Mm-hmm. The willies absolutely tell the story. And we have some great pictures mm-hmm. from the second act in here. Um,
0: we want to make sure that we give our folks an opportunity to ask their questions, so I'm going to spin through a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I mentioned the, the Roles, the famous, famous roles. And here we have Giselle, who is almost always in a blue dress. Did you know that blue was absolutely traditional for Giselle, no matter what variations the
1: company has? And Albrecht, Prince Albrecht. Um, and that's a... a, yeah. a, a- a bit from Helgi's new yeah. inserted parod. De
0: and so here they have to; they are dancing together in a very simple, very classical way. And then the lead, um, Giselle, is asked to do an extraordinary, dramatic scene. So she needs to be an extraordinary dancing actress.
1: Right.
0: Um, moving to the second act, when this whole business of the Willies, these women who have died, <clears throat> here is. Prince Albrecht, who comes to visit her at her grave, he has to be an extraordinary actor because, interestingly, his transformation from Act One to Act Two, he goes from being a happy-go-lucky, slightly mischievous... um, Possible cad. Possible cad, yes. That's not a word we use a whole lot these days, (laughs) but I think you get the drift. Um, To a grieving, bereaved lover. Um, Giselle becomes from being this sweet peasant girl she becomes a spirit and she has to dance like a spirit and that is an extraordinary challenge yeah. I will just say um,
1: I think we have one more mm-hmm. she's protecting him Her the idea is that the power of her love is stronger, at least temporarily, than the power of Myrta. Right. And we have...
0: There's Myrta. Isn't that a splendid picture? Mm-hmm. Um, this is Sophie Ansilva Silva as Myrta, the queen of the willies, who um, clearly was deeply injured in life and has spent eternity leading this band of wronged spirits. Um, I want to talk um, a little bit more about our corps de ballet because this is a ballet that uses the entire cast, uh, the entire company of corps dancers. In the first act, they get to just bounce and be joyous. And then comes the second act. And it's uh, it's so amazingly beautiful mm, it's and it's so beautiful. amazingly it's difficult. So beautiful. Um, We have... They come out of their graves wearing these veils, which is symbolic of their being brides. Um, They aren't doing movement that looks like this. And I wonder, can you just give us a couple of minutes' worth of commentary about the difference between... These are the same dancers. (laughs) They're going to do this in another program. But in this program, they have to do this. How are they coached? What do those girls particularly have to know?
1: Well, Betsy Erickson is a, quite a master of the, mm-hmm. of the style. She, mm-hmm. was, she has been coaching the Court de ballet and Giselle since we did it and she, she was a Mirta in American Ballet mm-hmm. Theatre and did many. Uh, Giselle was a huge uh, part of the uh, repertoire of um, American Ballet Theatre. During their touring days, and <laughs> when they did a one-night stand, and they did many, many, many performances of it, so they she really understands it from many uh, wonderful trainers and coaches and ballerinas' uh, point of view, and from observing them. And Lola de Avila, from uh, who comes from Spain, but was the director of our school for many years, came to help set this production so she was very influential and instrumental in the style because you can choose a different way with Giselle too. You know there are many, many slightly different steps, uh, different patterns, different things. So it it was a a combination of Mm -hmm. Helgi and Lola Mm -hmm. and Betsy's eye. And they work very, very carefully with very specific instructions like you You must lift your elbow and then continue your arm through the height of the arm, the romantic style, which is a little bit slightly forward in the torso. And um, the idea that I find so beautiful in this is the breath that um, the girls find, that you almost feel like they actually inhale at the same time and for the same duration. You know, it's it's just, it's my favorite ballet, absolutely, for sure. Yeah. Um, That's the moment. This is the
0: amazing moment and this is the the end of the ballet when the, the light, this is one of my favorite things, the light starts to turn to rose because it's dawn and it's very subtle but oh. um, I was working very hard to save time for questions and so now is when we're, we're going to test our system. Uh, if you have questions to ask Anita or myself about the ballet or about what's coming ahead on the season, would you make your way to the center aisle and make your way to the microphone there? And um, as you are asking your questions, I know this is gonna be an interesting process. Um, Just keep moving if you move toward the center. Um, We are going to, in the interest of time, ask you to be as concise as possible and to try to stick to just one question per person, and we have our first questioner, please.
1: Hi, it's possible that you spoke about this before, but I'd love to know how does it come about that a certain choreographer changes or has the ability to interpret a traditional old ballet? How does it get to actually come to fruition.
0: I would say a couple of um, questions there. One is, how does a contemporary choreographer just do his own thing? And you did mention a few things. And also, how do we learn those old ballets?
1: Well, I I think there's an interesting element to that question. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know, and Mm -hmm. I don't know... I don't really know. Would Giselle be considered a public domain that you don't need to... This would be a a, a case where you don't need to uh, have the get the rights to do this ballet Mm -hmm. and many other ballets you do, any of the Mm -hmm. the Balanchine, Jerome Robbins, uh, any any living choreographer Mm -hmm. and not very many are just public domain but this Mm -hmm. would be one Mm -hmm. where you have the right to do it if you'd like to do it. So that's how it, that's the bottom line and then after that it's just it's just the director's taste and what um, how he sees the ballet, what is his vision of Giselle um, and very, very important is his choice of the designer. What does he want his production to look like? And how is it going to work in our theater? We have a large theater. So our set is, 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 quite, is quite imposing. You know, it has to fill the stage. Second act is stunning. Oh, yeah. What else, Mary?
0: Um, well, I would say, um, how do we learn the oldest ballets? And you mentioned that Lola de Avila very carefully coached our girls. Um, the whole concept of passing from teacher to pupil for hundreds of years.
1: Yeah, I would think she, she has done her own version of Giselle, mm-hmm. um, and so I think a lot of what's in, in this one is what she had already done in um, La Scala? No, mm-hmm. Florence. Yeah. Florence. Okay. Anyway, so she, she came with her point of view. Um, I hope that helps answer your question, but it, it is a process. You can, there are many, many sources of um, tapes or you know, record that, mm-hmm. that people can access and, and see and make choices. And then there, there's a great deal of, of original thought that can go into an, a new production. There some Giselles go way out there. They're set in a different time, time yeah, a modern right. time, or the Deep South. Or, mm-hmm. um, as is sometimes mm-hmm. done with Shakespeare, you could go that route. Helgi went the more traditional route Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is still his own version, very yeah. much so.
0: And at the same time, he based this version on the one that he was taught, <clears throat> primarily by Anton Dolin. and Anton Dolin had worked with Spasitseva, who was a Russian ballerina who had worked at the Imperial Russian Ballet at the turn of the 20th century, where it had been done in an unbroken line for 60 years. So there's that sense that a great deal of it is just the way it was. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to the next question.
1: Was Myrta completely bad, or did Albrecht die because Myrta had a soft spot for him? Did, was Albrecht saved, I think yeah. didn't yeah. Was Albrecht saved because Myrta had a soft spot? Um, oh wow. Um, I don't see a soft spot there. What do you? <laughs> <laughs> no. I think it was Giselle who saved Albrecht Murta um, gave in a little bit when her she she, she lifts her herb, her, her little wand of, of some rosemary kind of, rosemary rosemary, thank you um, and she she kind of falls back, and this signifies that she has temporarily lost her strength, and I do think she does make a little bit of a decision there, like this is something different that i haven 't encountered before, and she's, she, she gives in and says, very well, then you may continue dance if you, you want to dance and so then it becomes giselle 's challenge to keep Albrecht going and not to pat you know not to actually collapse and die before that crucial gong, which is the bell the church bell which signifies the dawn is here, and if a if uh, a man can survive the willies until dawn, he will be saved because they have to go away now. They have to go back down under.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, commentary, probably, if you were to read some of the literature, about um, why Myrta, why her power is thwarted and love conquers all. And she can't can't resist um, the force of Giselle's love. Does anyone else want to approach the mic and ask us a question? Well, it'll take us a while to get used to the the system and for everyone to get up the courage.
1: Okay, great. Just on that subject, because you see, you, you'll see in the ballet that the first man, who's uh, not the, not the first one, but the the one who stumbles into the willies um, alone is Hilarion because he's out there in the forest wanting to put flowers on Giselle's graves. He get, becomes separated from his colleagues and they show him no mercy whatsoever, which I think is the one of the most brilliant um, aspects of the second act is that you cannot fail to understand the story. This is in front of your eyes. This is what happens to a man who gets caught up with the willies, he dies. And so you know that already. You saw it. You don't have to read it in your program. You saw this happen. So for it to happen to Hilarion but not to happen to Albrecht is the whole thing.
0: Perfect. Oh, thank you, Anita. Um, We actually have arrived at that magic time. Before I dismiss you. I want to review the choreography. Those of you who are not holding tickets for this evening's performance, we're asking you to exit, the way you came in, to your right out to the north carriage entrance. I will say, however, if you have become intrigued and you want to stay and see this evening's performance, um, there are some tickets still available, and it's a pretty sold-out week, so this is your chance. Those of you who do hold tickets for tonight's performance, we are asking you to exit, but then to go down the corridor and re-enter via the front lobby. Um, I just want to remind you that these points of view programs are recorded and that I am promised very shortly you will be able to go to the website and find this season's points of view and meet the artist lectures and interviews. Um, So I look forward to seeing you in three weeks when Val Canaparoli will be my guest for the second Points of View program. And now I really want to issue to Anita, thank you so much for totally. joining us. Yeah, this you're week. welcome. It was nice to be here. I hope you have enjoyed this little yeah. exploration. And um, thank you all for being a great audience. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Enjoy the performance.